Trash. Trash. When you, when you look around what's going on, especially with all this uh, UFO stuff, what, what, how, how are you feeling about the state of the world? I feel just fine. <laughs> of course I do. I'll tell you what I did yesterday. Please. Yesterday, I took my son to the park. Mm. And while we were there, we got on the swings. And my son said to me, he said, Dad, look swing all by myself now and he sat himself down in the swing and he proceeded to thrust his legs back and forth in front and below him and sure enough he generated enough momentum on his own to carry his swing forward and backward wow that's yeah. beautiful that's that is like those moments man those moments are so beautiful those, those i um i'm teaching my son how to play chess right now and um, we're working out together. Like today, we, we hit our chesticles. And like those moments where you get to share with your child, um, mm -hmm. like, like when they learn how to swing on a swing, something as simple as that, you know, it, it's just it, like those are the moments that I think, I think part of your point was, you know, of you feeling fine is that you got to sort of concentrate on your world and not let the, the rest of it sort of impede on your feelings and how you are doing um yeah i love that how do you what are what are some of the points in in the relationship between you and your son that you're looking forward to i'm looking forward to him taking an interest in martial arts mm. it's not quite there for him yet but he has shown a degree of interests if you ever come inside my house you'll notice that there are lots of weapons all over the place, but not firearms, mm. sticks and swords and things like that. And the reason this is, is so that I'm accustomed to using them. So if I have something behind the door or resting on the doorknob, I'm more likely to pick that up than if I have it in a dedicated area or space. So he's grown up watching me spin my stick around, swing my sword around, and he mimics what I'm doing now. But when I try to teach him the technique to help him, to help him develop his dexterity, he's limited in his capacity to understand those things now. But I'm looking forward to him developing that inner dialogue with himself and then engaging with that dialogue and showing him how to develop it. Yeah. Yeah. That, what about you? Um, well... I'm, I'm like in that moment right now where um, where we're starting to be able to connect on these, you know, these broader levels or, and, and, you know, not broader, like more narrow uh, levels where we can concentrate on single things because um, I'm a musician, as you know, and, and so are you. Um, and the he's not really taking to music and. I'm not like disappointed or anything because obviously he's going to do what he does. But I, I love that right now we're able to share these very special moments, like at the gym, like these are things. And, and I'm in the process of getting back in shape. So it's really fun to show him 
proper technique. It's really fun to show them, you know, like how to carry away what, you know, proper uh, etiquette in the gym and, and to mm -hmm. show them, you know, how it's done and how to, you know, shape your body how you want it to be. Um, as in with chess and stuff, that that's fun. I'm not great at chess, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm you know, like I, I recognize that chess is one of those games that are very, you know, it, it's very relatable to life mm -hmm. as in strategy and, and how you play your pieces and how you, you wh what you do with your, you know, how you move through this world. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a metaphor there, right? There's, uh, there's mm -hmm. definitely something uh, to that. And so I love that idea because he's sitting there concentrating and like, looking at all these different angles <laughs> and you know he's like oh well if i move there dang your bishop's gonna take me but if you move there then uh and then so so he's quickly learning these strategies and seeing things from different angles and that's what i love seeing is how he's putting connections together is it, it, it put together in his head and mm. I, I just find that to be beautiful. Um, yeah. I want him to be in martial arts too, because I, I came up on martial arts. I, I was in Taekwondo. Uh, really? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, so let me ask. Let me ask you a sure. question. If you could fight any historical figure, who would you fight? Man, I, I mean, I would probably lose. Uh, but Genghis Khan for sure. I you mean, want to fight him? Yeah, why not? I mean, okay. if, if if I was at the top of my if I was at the top of my game, but like at, in this point, I'm just like this doughy guy in Ohio, so it's like I, I, he would just slice me down. But that dude, the things that he accomplished, and you know, just to let his 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 seed sort of just piss it all away. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, I, I think that's how it always goes, right? Um, but. Uh, would would you choose armed combat or unarmed combat? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I would probably want to go hand to hand. I'm not great with weapons, uh, but you know, hand to hand. There's something brutal about. Um, not that I'm attracted to brutality in that manner, where I want to go and strangle the life out of somebody, but like you know, it, mm -hmm. there's something about that hand to hand that seems seems appealing. How about you? Who would I fight? Yeah. Brother, I think I would fight. Uh... <laughs> he said Isaac Newton. <laughs> I'm going to fight Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson? Yeah, President Andrew Jackson. I think he would be an excellent fight. Wow. Fantastic fight because he was a fighter himself. Mm -hmm. And he was a bit of a, a, a ne'er-do-well, a bit of a recalcitrant. He grew mm -hmm. up on the frontier with runaway slaves and Native Americans, mm. and he hated the British, absolutely detested mm. being occupied or just being in their presence. He disdained them entirely. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, I believe Andrew, I believe Andrew Jackson saw his brother murdered oh, by a British officer. So think about this. So he comes from nowhere, but works his way all the way up to the presidency. And you have to think about this as well. Prior to Andrew Jackson, American politics was a game for aristocrats. You had to come from a very well-off family, a well-known political dynasty to do anything in American politics. But here was this man from the frontier land, from the country. He's uncivilized. Listen to him. Listen to how he talks. Look at his friends and his family members, how they dress. 
their table manners. They're completely unlike this upper crust. But he became president. So this is a man who would know how to fight. Mm-hmm. And I'd want to fight this man. He could fight. I could see that um, Hamilton too, right? Like that—that that was what was interesting about America is that all of a sudden you had people, and I know that that happened in other countries over history where people that come from you know the, the dirt in the in the land um, rise to power. But it, it is something interesting to see how it, it's, there's something special about it in America, and I'm not trying to put America above anybody else or any other country, but. Uh, there is something interesting about that where you could technically come from nothing and become, you know, the president of the United States. I'm not sure how much that is true now. Do you, do you think that's something that people can accomplish now? Yes. Yeah. I still believe in America. Me too. I love America. I'm optimistic. Mm. Yeah. So, so how would you want to fight Andrew Jackson? Would you want to... Um, um, Hand-to-hand, weapons, how do you want to do it? Greco-Roman wrestling. <laughs> a wrestling match. Man-to-man. Body-to-body wrestling match. Let's go. Okay, so so now is this to the death, or is this just like a, a, a friendly, like, let's just have a little a, 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 a go-around? See, here's the thing about this. Mm-hmm. You have to know this about combat, is in reality... Every instance of combat is the real thing. There are no instances of combat in which it is a prudent choice to pull your punches or to not strike as hard as you can. No regrets. Because what if on that occasion your enemy decided to do it? You'd have a lot of regrets from that combat. So it's better to avoid combat altogether than to engage in combat half-heartedly. You should do something else or Mm -hmm. settle your disputes in some other way. So if I'm going to wrestle Andrew Jackson, I have to be prepared to wrestle him to the death. Wow. Yeah. yeah. As would you. You'd have to be prepared yeah. to wrestle and fight Genghis Khan <laughs> to the to the death. Yes. I think he'd be a hard man to kill. I think so too. I think so too. I mean, especially when you look at what again, like what he did, what he did, and and how he did it. I mean, that dude was ruthless. But but to be able to. Uh, to engage like that with that kind of a historical figure that that's amazing he he was another one that came from nothing and like almost conquered the world correct he came from i don't think he 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 didn't come from any kind of special family or or uh or money am i correct genghis genghis came on the back of a magical dragon (laughs) called violence and brutality yes and this magical dragon had wings and it descended upon China. But that dragon descended so powerfully that it convinced the son of Genghis Khan that his father's power would remain forever. So his son, Kublai Khan, went to sleep at the wheel. And when he did this, this allowed for Hong Wei, who is known as one of the first Chinese emperors, it allowed him an opportunity to assemble an army and to strike him. And this would turn out to be the beginning of a whole new dynasty of emperors in China. So it's a, it's a sad thing to see all that potential and that power go to waste. I guess that's what arrogance gets you. I guess if you're too good of a ruler, then the image of you will loom larger than the efforts of your heir. 
and it will fall flat on its face ultimately. What do you think? Um, well, I think that's that's how things go, right? Like you can see that in in how generations of people, even even people like who came up in a harder time um, in America, who had uh, who has kids who who was able to like like let's say you grew up in the depression, the Great Depression, mm-hmm. and then was able to hit like the fifties, you know, uh, when when America was great or some or great again, uh, but it, you know like you were able to provide for your family in a way that you were ever afforded. And so your kids begin to, you know, grow up and, you know, they get involved in the hippie movement or something or, Mm -hmm. and and each generation seems to get a little bit weaker and a little bit further from, um, you know, the, the, the hard times that forged you, you know, the fires that forged you, it sort of uh, gets lost in, in the, in the decades and in the time, because, uh, you know, you don't need to work as hard because you were Mm -hmm. provided for. And so when you think of Genghis Khan and his son, you know, his son came up, you know, in royalty. Now I'm, I'm not clear. Was his son fighting in the battlefields or was his son, uh, birth. I know he had many sons, and and they ended up fighting each other, right? Like there was a lot of breakdown within the family itself, and that sort of fractured the empire or the dynasty as well. But uh, were was his sons in the battles, or were they more or less like um, you know in the background and 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 sort of enjoying the spoils of war? I don't know. I have no idea. Sweet. But that's that's an interest. I think that would uh, it's interesting to look at it that way because maybe that's where he fell short. Maybe he should have treated kingship or rulership as an opportunity to serve as a master to his son, much like an apprentice would take up the tutelage of a master. Yeah. Perhaps he should have put his son in that place taken his son along with him so that his son could experience firsthand what it meant to be a strong ruler. What does it take to be a ruler in your stead? You're going to have to show me, Dad, because this stuff doesn't come automatically. You developed your ruthlessness through war and fighting and killing and being willing to die. I didn't have that luxury, so you're going to have to teach me. But I think a lot of monarchs failed to teach their children this. The one that comes to my mind is Edward I, the Hammer of the Scots. In 1307, he comes to the, uh, excuse me, 1307, um, I, I believe it was 1272 to 1307, if I'm not mistaken. He comes to the to the English monarchy, but he does this under the idea that he himself is the glue that's keeping this entire kingdom together. He has a very strong reputation as being a strong, dominant ruler. He was convinced that the entire island was his, and he was very capable. When he became king at 25, he was already an accomplished ruler because he had done so toward the end of his father's life. So now he comes to the throne And he's incredibly capable, but he didn't pass any of this on to his son, Edward II, who would squander all of this and ultimately earn the assassination of his father's friends. His father's friends would ultimately kill his son because of 
his poor rulership ability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I see that. I, I see that echoing, you know, through through time and, and through, you know, different families and through different uh, time periods that people are from. Uh, you know, like where we're at now when you have people who are who can't even have conversations about, uh, you know, difficult subjects. You know, we don't have to be specific, but like if there's a difficult subject, you see people like melt down and cry, mm-hmm. whereas... I don't know you. I, I I don't even know how old you are. Uh, that's the mystery of the beast. Uh, we don't know. We don't know anything about this man other than you know that he's uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome, uh, uh, which which I admire very much. Uh, I, I put too much of myself out there, but you know that's 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 the way. That's that's how we make content. You know, you have your way, and I have mine. But. Uh, yeah, and good job. I forgot what I was talking about. What, what what were we just talking about? We were just talking about. Yes, we were talking about. Let's talk about. Let's talk about fighting. You're a martial artist. <laughs> I'm um, not. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not a martial artist. I. Well, you I, like to throw punches, don't you? Uh, well, how does, how does it feel to throw a good solid jab? Does that feel good? Eh, it feels okay. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it feels pretty good. Like if you're hitting the bag and stuff. But I, yeah. I, I have to say, I'm not a practicing martial artist. I, I. I I only made okay. green belt and taekwondo before I moved wow. to Ohio from Michigan. You so. are you are really practicing the art of war right now by mm. by downplaying your martial arts ability. Very very good. I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm very good so, at downplaying. If you could fight um, any contemporary politician, who would it be? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> any current who's, head of state who's the who's the guy i think he's the senator of pennsylvania what's that guy's name um god he he's like him and joe biden could have like the best conversation um can someone help me in chat anybody <laughs> anybody any on any side he's the he's the current i believe senator or governor and he's the guy who had like the stroke and he was the, I remember him as a mayor of this little town, and it was right after the 2008 crash. He ended up being, um, you know, he ended up being a really positive, uh, a positive figure for this town. And he sort of rose to the ranks, and I think the Democrats sort of glommed on to him as a, as a um, you know, as, as uh, what was that guy named? Plumber Joe? I don't know. Do you remember that guy who? who Are you talking about Joe the plumber? Joe the plumber. Um, yes, yes. They sort of like oh, that guy. No, no, not that guy. But 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 he had that sort of folksy, like uh, salt of the earth kind of person. And I think the Democrats sort of glommed onto that because that's what they supposedly represent. Um, and it, it, what is his name? Holy crap! Hold on. Let me just. Uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a great fight because the dude is like half gone. John Fetterman. John Fetterman? <laughs> He's just big. He's just big. That's the only thing. I feel like he would have like some sort of like, uh, 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 you know, just big guy strength. And it, it would just be fun to go hand to hand with him. I mean, because if you if I was gonna say like Joe Biden, it, I mean that's that's he's eighty, right? He's he's eighty something. He's about dead. He's already like he's half brain dead. So like I I couldn't imagine that would be any kind of fun. But I feel like John Fetterman. I think he had a, he just had a stroke again. Um, so you know he's he's had several strokes. 
Yes, he's had several strokes. I mean, yeah. Are you not aware of who this guy is? Are you, are you not uh, uh, I, I rec- I'm pulling up a picture of him now. I think I recognize this guy. The, he he talks like how Joe Biden talks, but in a much more like scary way. Like because it's like, man, this guy definitely is too young to be talking like this. And he it, it, and because Joe Biden, he's had his time in the sun, right? Like we know he's old. And his brain is going, whatever. But this dude is, like, not that old. Yeah, there he is. John Fetterman. That guy. <laughs> that would be, that'd be fun. Um, that guy or when... Uh, who was the wrestler? Jesse Ventura. <laughs> he Jesse was, Ventura? Yeah, he was okay. a Navy SEAL. But he would just murder me. But, you know, that, that would be fun. I mean, why not? I mean, if we're talking about just hypothetical mm-hmm. fights. I think I'd want to wrestle... Either Barack Obama, I think that'd be a that would be a an interesting fight, Barack Obama, because we never really got to see him tested during his presidency because he was so smooth. He mm. was like rubber; everything just sort of bounced off of him. Even when he was in trouble, it never really looked like he was really in trouble. It's like watching Muhammad Ali fight. Even mm. when he was getting it on the ropes, it never really looked like he was getting it. And Barack Obama sort of has that same mystique about him so i would like to see barack obama tested Hmm. in a wrestling match not striking yeah just wrestling i want to see what his cardio is like like is he willing to fight how hard is he willing to fight for it (laughs) eric sawwell uh who is that who's the eric so sorry someone in my chat was saying they wanted to wrestle eric sawwell and (laughs) eric sawwell is that is that how you even say his name what about kamala harris I would just, you wrestle Kamala Harris? I think that'd be an interesting wrestling <laughs> match. Yeah, I would probably be more at my level <laughs> at this point. Um, uh, Kamala is a weenie. That's what Raina says. Um, but you want to know something? Hmm. You want to know something? You might lose to her because I, probably we're probably going to downplay her ability. Oh, she's a what's she going to? And then she just boom hits you with that beast, puts that beast on you, and then now what? And then now what? Now now you lost to a girl. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like you know, women can fight. Like women can fight. It, there there is a, a certain point where no matter what a woman's skill really is, it, if a guy is like a huge and knows how to fight, there is a certain point where he's just gonna break that person in half. But like you know, women could. <laughs> there's some UFC fighters that I wouldn't want to mess with. You know, like there's yeah. there's. <sighs> I'll put it to you like this, because I've met women who were very small, who felt the same way about themselves. Well, I can't fight. And I would always ask them the same question. I'd say, if I gave you a little kitty cat, right, and you pet that little kitty cat, and let's say you gave that little kitty cat to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And while Dwayne The Rock Johnson was holding that little kitty cat, I dumped a bucket of water over that kitty cat. What do you think that cat's going to do? And what do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to do? <laughs> she said, well, that cat's going to start scratching, and he's going to drop that cat. Definitely. So if a little bitty kitty cat can make a big, strong guy drop a cat, then what can a woman do if she applies herself to the fight? Mm-hmm. Especially against a man who's not taking her seriously because, oh, she's just a girl. <laughs> 
She's a girl. What can a girl do? <laughs> a girl. <laughs> Girls. Yeah. You can turn that against him and whoop bam. It's a it's an entirely different. But I'm gonna say a woman has two seconds. Two seconds. If the woman can control the first two seconds of the encounter, then she has a chance. But she has to move first. If you're a woman, you gotta move first. Because if the man moves first, you might not recover from that. He's probably gonna hit you a lot harder than you can hit him. So if he's asking for more than your purse or your wallet or your keys, if he's asking you to get into a car or come away with him and you can't run, you want to attack him first, okay? Attack him first. Don't wait for him to do it because he might be really, really strong. So you're going to hit him first and then you're going to run, okay? That's the rule. You move first, especially if you're weaker. You move first. Where would you where would you hit him if you were a little if you were a small girl and there's a bigger guy who is trying to take more than just your wallet or your purse? Okay, so here you have to have a conversation with them, and this I find to be a conversation you have to have with both men and women, and this is about capacity versus capability. Every human being is capable of shoving their fingers into the ocular cavity of another human being. It doesn't take a lot of pressure to do that. Most human beings, adult human beings, are capable of applying enough pressure through their fingers into someone's eyes to push clear through. So we have the capability. But how many people have the capacity, the stomach, to shove their fingers in someone's eyes? That might be more difficult to come across, especially if you've never been in a fight, especially if you don't really want to hurt someone. So if she has the capacity, if you have the capacity, the best place is just to shove your fingers right into that person's eyes. Just bam. Right into their eyes, really as hard as you yeah. can, like little spears right in their mm -hmm. eyes. Yeah. That's going to get their attention. And that's going to give you enough time to just run away, to make noise and to run away. Yeah. But do you have the capacity to do that? Can you stomach putting your fingers in someone through someone's eyes and pressing? Yeah, yeah. The, the basically doing the Three Stooges move, and and if he's if he's and if he puts his hands up, then it's over. You know, like that's the problem. It's just doink. You know that. The, well, you, you know, keep going. <laughs> yeah, keep going. You don't stop. Well. It, it, uh, you know, I didn't think of that. I, I always think of like the groins, right? But like for me as a dude, that would just make me more angry. And like once that adrenaline of anger and whatever your intentions are, you probably push past that pretty easily. But the eyes, man, you're you're absolutely right. Go for those eyes all the way through because because yeah. screw, screw that guy. Like, but can you do it? Can can you do that? Could push I do someone's it? eyes? Yeah. I, I, you know, you never know what you can do in those times, right? Like you don't. You're gonna have you're gonna have their blood on your hand. Yes, literally, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in their eye. They're, gonna, they're going to scream in a way that you've never heard a human, and you did you did that to that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, and it, that's the thing is like, what what are you uh, what are you capable of when when push comes to shove? Mm -hmm. And that's what's so interesting about martial arts training is that you're literally trying to, you know, you're learning how to kill people with your hands 
Um, but when it comes down to it, are you actually capable of doing that? I mean, because yeah. it's one thing sparring with uh, a partner in class, you know, or rolling with somebody. Um, yeah, disfiguring them. That's definitely, you're right, cheap effects. Uh, it, but And then there's another thing of actually putting your your freaking fingers through someone's eyeballs. So it, it's, yeah. it's oh, do, do you, do you, do you believe you have the capability of, of doing something like that? Me? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, I believe you. You do? Yeah, I believe you. Well, I, I believe that you do. Me personally. No, what, what about I, you? Do you? Yeah, do you I, I do because, um, I mean, it just depends on what the situation is. If, if, if it's me or, you know, or my family or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go ape, right? Like it's just, yeah. you don't, I'm not going to just sit there and be quiet or, or just take it. Um, and, and if it's just me, me, it's me or you, you know, like <laughs> may the stronger one win, you know, may the, the one yeah. with the most skills win because it's, yeah. I'm not going to just sit there um yeah. and and accept it so yeah i do have the capability of doing that and and i mean I've, <laughs> I've done some dumb things in my life when it comes to fighting and and um and gotten myself into some stupid situations and i i must say i've i've only i've the only fight i've ever won in my life is when i was a kid and <laughs> and and i used to be you know heavy in the drinking and, and drugging and stuff so you ended up in some precarious situations uh, when you put yourself through that and, and the people you hang around with. And so that kid you fought when you were younger, did he deserve it? It was, it was four or five kids. Because you beat them all up? Yes. And, and I was, that was when I was in Taekwondo, too, so I, I kind of knew how to defend myself. Um, oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah. were they, so were they attacking you, or were you? Yes. Or did yes. you initiate this? Yeah, because I was a bigger kid, and I used to get bullied. And uh, and they would talk, you know, smack, and then they would come within arm's length, and it was like, well, you're smaller than me, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And we're talking maybe uh, first or se second grade, probably. This is probably second grade, you know. And I remember a whole group of them were, they were calling me, they were calling me the dumbest thing. Like, it, uh, it was it was the dumbest thing, and I ignored it because at that point my parents were like you know you need to like just ignore these kids these, mm -hmm. they're idiots don't even engage and if they try to do anything to you but it's different on the playground right like mm -hmm. playground when, when it comes push comes to shove you're um you're you're i i wasn't just gonna let them run up on me like that yeah. so so yeah i i had a whole plan because i remember they told me that in class they're like we're coming for you Oh, I had a whole plan, man. Like I had, um, <laughs> I had. Uh, do you remember those hard plastic pencil boxes that we used to? I do remember those. Yeah, yeah man. I had a red one, and I think it has a pencil on the front. I remember my big idea because I remember this one kid. He got me, uh, like a couple days before that. He, he how'd he get you? He punched he, you or something? No, he he put his head down like this and ran into my stomach, and I remember that knocked the air right out of me, and I went yeah, right man. down. I, uh, why, were they, why were they doing that to you? Uh, because I was fat. I was a, I was a bigger kid, and they thought it was funny to call me fat kid, or fat boy, and all you know all the words, all the words. And well, sounds like they sounds like they deserved that 
that's smacking around oh that you well, delivered. yeah oh yeah so I, I just remember it it went down like a like an action movie it was it was dope it was like one of the finer <laughs> points of, was it more jean-claude van damme or jackie chan i would say <laughs> i would say or, it, or jet lee uh, ooh, um, I would say it was more like <laughs> I would say it would be almost like Arnold, and and I know Arnold's not oh, wow. because because it the was Terminator. like Terminator. Yeah, oh yeah, it was definitely the Terminator. <laughs> oh. It because kid came. I had the I had the the plastic box because I knew that was that kid's move. Like that was his only move. I knew it was covered, so I stuffed the plastic box in my stomach, and they couldn't see it under my coat. Mm. So he came, um, they 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 got up behind me, held my arms behind my head, my back. Kid came, smashed his head into the plastic, and it didn't do anything to me, but it, it, it didn't really hurt him that bad. But he fell, and that gave me the opportunity to go, what bam, into the back of the kid's head, uh, using the back of my head into the kid's nose, which bloodied it. Uh, and then he was still holding on, so I, I took my heel and, and I jammed it up into his nutsack. And then the other kids came, and it was just me like, blop, 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 um, just, just knocking him down. Um, it, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the funny thing about fights in school is that most of the time afterwards, uh, you end up, uh, befriending these kids and some of those kids end up becoming my friends. Uh, yeah. I've, I've had a few situations like that where you have to teach them, you have to teach them proper respect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, in that moment, I guess that, you know, yeah. I didn't you have to defend yourself. That's how I saw it. And, and that's how my dad saw it as well. My dad was very much realist about it because, of course, my mom's like, no, no, you should have went and got the teacher, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, who got in trouble? It was me uh, because, you know, because I fucked him up. So, like, <laughs> if I would have got my ass, well, maybe, maybe I would have, uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they would have gotten in trouble. But it was like four, maybe, four, I think it was four kids against me. And, you know, yeah. once once they saw that, there was a couple of kids I ended up befriending. And that has happened mm -hmm. to me a couple of times in, in school where, you know, you have to, you know, you have to show them, a, you know, just give them a little, you know, tap, tap. And, and all of a sudden you're friends. Yeah. But that never carried on past high school. And, and once I started drinking and doing stupid stuff, I was a slob. You know, I was mm. a slob. I was sloppy. I was just like, I remember I got one good punch in this one time, and then there was like 20 of his friends came tap danced oh, wow. on my face. So it was like, <laughs> it was wow. over for that. Did you did you did you know he had that many friends before you before you punched him? Well, it was weird because all like he was just some dude in the bar, and I I I gotta say that me and my friend both deserved it because we were being jackasses. And my friend was snapping, like, he was like, you know, have you ever seen anybody, like, snap pennies at people with their, like, this? They'll, like, pah, and they'll snap a penny at someone. Wow. Some. So, who, he wait, who was, who was snapping the pennies in the bar? It was my was friend. Cool. It was my friend. He was, so your friend was he was, But it wasn't pennies. pennies. He was doing it with peanut shells. And he was doing it at this couple because he's a jackass, right? And he was looking for a fight, um, which, you know. I later realized, like, that's exactly what he was doing, was trying to get a fight because that's what he does because he's a psycho. Um, and this is in San Diego, California, in, in Pacific Beach, where 
um, you know, it's known for fights there. That's like people go there to fight. It's, it's so let's scene. go to this place where people fight and drink and snap peanuts <laughs> yes. across the room, just right. snapping peanuts at people. And then all of a sudden, this this dude, you know, like he's and I'm sitting there laughing my ass off. I think it's funny. And then I grab a peanut and I just like throw it like a sloppy asshole. And um, and they see it, obviously he sees it because this because my friend was doing it stealthy, so he would just snap a peanut and go back to talking to me like nothing happened. And, mm. and they kept looking around like, what's going on? Why is this? Uh, and then, of course, my dumb ass is like, oh, I'm going to do it too. And then ugh, it was so stupid. I'm so embarrassed of that part of my life. Um, you know, that reminds me of that scene from Dumb and Dumber <laughs> when they were at that diner and he threw the salt over his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, who's the dead man that threw that salt shaker? Yeah. Yeah. You you were the dead man that threw that salt man. shaker. Well, you know, it was one dude, and it was <laughs> you were the dead my... man that snapped that peanut. Yeah, oh yeah, I I definitely was. And dude stood up, and he was mad, and my buddy stood up, and we both stood up like you know, posturing. And then of course we got kicked out, and then all of a sudden, it was like this dude was friends with the entire bar. They all just got up and went outside with us because because everybody there was trying to find a fight too. So it sounds like what actually happened was these guys were not his friend, mm -mm. but they just sort of gathered to his side right. due to the collective hatred <laughs> for you and your friend. Deserved. Very oh, deserved. Very deserved. Yeah, well, you know, you you uh you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, and that's Yeah, that's the first amazing. the first instinct, and you know, we have to be kind to ourselves because yeah. maybe I I wasn't taught this. Perhaps you weren't taught this when you studied martial arts. But the first instinct is how to avoid a fight. Yes. Were you ever taught how to avoid fights from uh, your senseis? Did they ever teach you how to do that? It, it was never something that was like, um, uh, you know, it, this is how it happens. But it was more like um, it was they always would say that we learn how to fight so we don't fight. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something they would say. It's not like they gave a, you know, step-by-step -step instructions like, okay, if he comes up to you and blah, 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 you walk away, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, this was, of, it was always made clear that this is for self-defense and nothing else. You're not going to go out there and you're not going to like start kicking people and punching at people because you think you're a badass. This is, you know, this is strictly for self-defense and mm -hmm. so that you're able to protect yourself in a situation that, that might come up um not going out and looking for it um but it was never any like step-by-step -step instruction manual type thing but yeah but but that's you know i tell that to my son too because i want him to get into martial arts i'm like you know you don't learn how to fight to go pick fights you learn how to fight to defend yourself and that's mm -hmm. that's what it's about and you know I, again i wasn't <laughs> at that point of my life i wasn't um uh, I was I was working through some stuff. I see. Yeah. Did you work through it? Did you work clear through to the other side? I did. I did. And you know, I remember you were asking that uh, in chat earlier before we got started. If you know, if you're in charge of yourself, and it, 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 I'm finally getting to that point in my life where I am, and like I'm very proud of that because there was a moment, like especially after I got done drinking. And and uh, or, or quit drinking and you know doing all these terrible drugs and stuff. There was a, a mess of a human being on the other side. The uh, it was the person that was left over. The the person that you were running from, mm -hmm. you know, by by masking it with drugs and alcohol. I had to deal with that 
And that was 10 years ago now. And so, like, I'm just getting to this point in the last few months or last year or so where I'm actually really able to take control, like, take control of my emotions and, and be in charge of how I react because it's, you know, it's about reaction. And, um, yeah, I'm not out there trying to cause trouble or make trouble. And, you know, I, I still have my moments. Everybody gets upset. Mm. But for the most part, it's uh, I, I'm I'm really happy with where I'm at. And this is years of therapy, you know. I, I went and got the help that I really needed, and uh, I didn't know how much I needed until I did, until I got mm. the help. So yeah, man, uh, it, it, I I do feel like I have control. Uh, for the most part, you know. Obviously, there's always going to be times we will be tested, but I do feel in control at this point. Tell me something. What's the biggest difference between who you are now and who you were 10 years ago? Uh, well, uh, a child. I have a child. I'm a father. You know, that changes a lot. Uh, a lot of this happened. Um, oh, thank you, baby. Rand just said, I'm so inspired by your hard work. Um, <laughs> which is very nice because she's been, th she's been on that journey with me. You know, she, she saw me as a drunken buffoon, um, and, and just to where I'm at now. So it, it, to have someone like that in my corner was very, very crucial. You know, yeah, I mean, that's your sweet peeism. My, do y'all, do y'all use that phrase where you are? Sweet peeism? <laughs> we don't use sweet peeism. You don't say that? No. That that phrase was given to me by one of my elders. She gave that term to me. She said, is that your sweet peeism? And it was such a touching, affectionate phrase that I had to borrow it. What do you, what, what phrases are popular in your region of the United States? <laughs> do you say boo thing? This is my boo thing. Um, well, yeah, actually, she, she, uh, she'll say that, you know, I, she's actually in my, uh, in my phone as boo-boo bear. Um, <laughs> you know, she's, she's my boo-boo. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, baby, you know, stuff like that. Um, Do you call each other by your first names? Like at home when you're talking to each other? <laughs> Sometimes. Um, it's mostly like, hey, babe, or baby, or what's up, boo? But what's funny is that she calls me by my, and she even referenced to me in chat, sometimes she'll call me English, like my, mm. my screen name. Uh, she'll call me English. And she used to call me P because we met in a band and there was three mics. And uh, they called me Mike E.P. because I played pianos. They called me Mike E.P. And that's where I got the name. And so she, for a long time, she called me P. And, oh. uh, and I, and, and I think I've always just called her baby or babe or whatever, but it, it's, uh, so sometimes she'll be like, Hey, English. And I'll be like, what? what's up? You know? So you guys met in, in a band, you were playing in the same band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So somebody broke, so somebody broke the rule. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was her. <laughs> somebody broke the rule. <laughs> she started throwing it, eyes. Look, she was throwing did, eyes. Did the, band, did the band survive this? Um, I think no, it didn't. It I, never does. It, it never, never does. does. No, it and never I does. Well, it's funny too because it never does. well, Raina's very. Uh, I mean, 
lack of better words, she has an alpha personality. And she likes to start, as soon as she starts getting comfortable, she starts organizing and taking control of the situation. And I don't think they cared for that. So they all left for Jesus, and uh, which was their excuse. But I'm pretty sure it was, it was uh, you don't think it was our fault? I think it was kind of our fault. <laughs> so they converted to Christianity? They, they, they were they already Christian. They were already right. Christians. They just decided to like go full on in, and they wanted to play music. If they were going to do music, they wanted to do it for God. Yeah, R.I.P. band. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's fine. How did, how did that? How did they go for them? Did they really do that, or was that just something they told you, or did they really pursue that? Um, they did pursue it, and they still are involved in the church and stuff. So, I mean, for the most part, one one of the ladies actually went to finish her degree, so she was going to go finish school, and I I don't know if she actually did or not, but uh, but the other dude, like, because the drummer was fantastic drummer, and he already grew up in the church and stuff, so he went and he just he went and played for Jesus, and then the the rapper went out and ended up getting uh. Oh, she got her master's. Yeah, so there you go. She got her master's. What's up, Robbie? Welcome in, buddy. Did, did the rap? Did the rapper start rapping for Jesus too? <laughs> the rapper Bonbon. What's up, baby? Uh, he he did not rap for Jesus. I think he went and sang for Jesus because he could also sing a bit. So I think he was just singing for Jesus. But yeah, he he ended up. He was like so into Christianity that like mm-hmm. he met his girl. In uh in church and they went and got married real quick so they could you know do the thing and uh, and not you know be you know having sex out of, out of wedlock or whatever that's called so fornicating yeah they wanted to have sex and so they went and rushed the marriage which I think they're still together I don't know and I hope so I, I wish nothing but good things for these people I love them all so. It wasn't bad. It was just one of those situations. And that spawned us to start our own thing, which is really what it's all about. It's like, just do your own thing because why? How long ago was that? Oh, that was, man, I'm aging right now. It's, uh, I don't know, 12, 12, 13 years, 14 years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Raina has the numbers. Oh, so it's been a little while then. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, which, it was better this way. You know, things happen for a reason. You know, when I look back at that, you know, playing in rock bands and stuff, like, what were we doing? Like, what were we really doing? Where did we learn this? Not TV, maybe? I mean, coming from... I don't know how you came up... Um, I have, uh, you know, just from what you've said on stream, but I came up poor and I, I came up uh, not having a lot. And I was able to find, uh, you know, some kind of solace and I could find, and I was pretty decent at music. And uh, I saw it as a way out of my situation, um, which was poor and, you know, I was in the hood doing stuff over there, um, you know, just trying to get out of situation and finding a different, uh, different path in life. So it was uh, for me that was what it was. And, and of course, there's always that golden uh, uh, rainbow or the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of making it big, <laughs> you know, like being famous. And which sounds terrible right now. Uh, to me, it sounds awful to be just like you know Rihanna style famous and. You know, have people ca- calling out your pregnancy before you're even done with your performance at the Super Bowl. It's just like that seems just terrible. Well, but why? Why the did Super Bowl? You, yeah, yeah. She performed at the Super Bowl and she's pregnant. 
just for you. Oh, when uh, when was that? Last night. Oh. Yeah, it was. It, it happened right at the same time that they shot down another UFO in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about that UFO. I didn't hear about the Super Bowl though. <laughs> I guess it is that time of year, isn't it? It is. I I I could care less about the Super Bowl, but I I do like Rihanna. Um, so it was fun to do that. But I'm curious about why you decided to to do it. Why were you trying to, you know, be in rock bands and and do that kind of thing? Me. Yeah. Well, I wasn't trying to do much of anything. Hmm. What happened to me was this. When I was eight years of age, my mother bought me a keyboard. And this was the kind of keyboard that had different voices programmed into it. It also had different introduction melodies and sample melodies that you could play that would demonstrate different styles of music. And I remember coming home from school every day from the third grade and sitting in my room with this keyboard and just becoming so infatuated with the changes of melody and the changes in the rhythm. And I think this developed inside of me something akin to a room. I want you to imagine a room. And inside this room, there is a door but the door is in the floor so you open up this door down into the floor are a set of steps that descend beneath this place when you get down to the bottom it's a very very small room with a big fire in the middle and for me that's what music is it's a warm cozy place concealed from the elements where I'm warm. And that started at a very young age, just with, how, just with the little piano keyboard. But then when I was in middle school, I, was in, I sang in my middle school choir. And that was a lot of fun, singing in choir. It was a different style of singing than how I heard my mother singing. But then when I got to high school, that was my first introduction to freestyle rapping. It was high school. I remember... I remember... I remember when I was a freshman in high school, our tradition at lunchtime was to sit down at the table, of course, consume our meal. But once our meal had been consumed, we would take out a pen or a pencil and we would make beats on the table. And one by one, we weren't very good at it, but we certainly enjoyed trying. Mm. We would just go around and we would try to make up rhymes on the fly. And... I guess that's where the freestyling began. But now looking back, I get I get an acute sense of melancholy because all of those friendships have died. Hmm. All of those relationships are dead. Yeah. Is it is that because it was connected to the church that you were a part of? No, this was drugs. Oh, These, they 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 like literally died? No, they, they, one of them, a lot of them, see, a lot of us were experimenting with drugs at the time. But not but you. This was, but this was the difference here. Mm. And I didn't notice this difference until I was a little bit older. Some were experimenting with drugs. They were having fun with it. It was something that they would do on the weekends. What we did not know, though, was that there were those who were doing drugs 
all the time, not just on the weekends, but this was a daily thing for them. Yeah. Every single day, this is a lifestyle. And that was a bit different. And that became the prime meridian between those who graduated from high school and those who didn't graduate from high school. It was that clear. Yeah. But maybe they were hiding, but maybe they were dealing with something we didn't know. Maybe there was some mental illness there. Maybe there was some abuse in the home. But there had to have been a reason why some were able to just have fun on the weekends with it, but then go back to school Monday, everything's okay. But then why other kids were doing it, not just on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but Monday, every day, right. like coming to school and doing it. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you're right, though. I mean, just from being, uh, just from knowing what it's like to be on drugs and then coming off of it, it's like, yeah, most of the time it's, you're, you're, you're fighting a mental illness. You're fighting, you know, the past and, and the scars of childhood. And, um, it's, it's hard and, and not a lot of people can get past that. And, it's nice to uh, it's nice to be on the other side of that and to have control over it and um, you know it, it it's a really it's a really beautiful thing to find you know sobriety and I mean for the most part I still partake once in a while but it's it's to that point where I, I know where my limits are you know what I mean and I, I don't have to worry about me coming home and just going hog wild because for the most part, I'm pretty content with my life, and I'm very happy with my wife and my child. I love my family, you know, so, and, and I, I don't mind what I do for a living, and, and you know, things are things are pretty decent. Uh, I just don't like the cold weather. That's, that's all. I don't mm -hmm. like that. I don't like Ohio weather. Um, I miss California dearly, but uh, things are weird. Watch out. I leave. You should come back. It's, uh, uh, it's always... Uh, it's, always it's always hot out here. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you, let me ask you another question. Sure. Um, real quick. If you could fight any movie star, <laughs> who would you fight? Any movie star, a living movie star. No, 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 no. Let's make them interesting. Dead or alive. Charlie Actors. Chaplin. Really? Or Buster Keaton. Yeah. They knew how to take a fall. Man, yeah, those were dangerous dudes, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. How about you? Bro, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. You know, that was I one of my first. Tom Cruise. <laughs> I want to fight Tom Cruise. <laughs> the Last Samurai. You want to fight The Last Samurai? <laughs> yeah. I want to fight um what Ethan Hawke. Okay. Ethan Hawke. That that <laughs> that was quite a jump. Uh I uh, Tom Cruise, you know, honestly Tom Cruise was one of the first names that popped in my head, but you know, like in what's interesting is that he also does his own stunts like Buster Keaton, yeah. like Charlie Chaplin did. Uh, mm -hmm. So that you'd wrestle Marilyn Monroe naders naked. Oh, okay. All right. You calm down, butter, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, I, I, I could see that. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, wrestling again. Would it be wrestling? Uh, no, this would be MMA. Oh. I think this guy, I think this guy's probably the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's probably a low key, like a good fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, because he's a Scientologist and, and I, I, this is how I kind of think about it. people who are like very dedicated to a certain uh, ideology or even a religion, you know, I, I feel like they they when they live in a very stringent way, um, do you think that 
you know, as, as much shit as he gets for Scientology and as much people as Chris, do you think it's, it, it's overall a positive thing in his life? Or do you think it's something that, like, sort of controls him beyond uh, anything that should control a man? Religions necessarily take the liberty of controlling you in places you don't intend to be controlled. Hmm. So regardless of what his expectations were in becoming affiliated with Scientology, it didn't include that expectation because that's the one that always catches you off guard. It's just how much control this is going to have over your time, your decision-making, your future, your relationships, your culture, your career. You don't find those things out until after you've invested a lot of time but in the case of Scientology, a lot of time and a lot of money on top of that. But with Tom Cruise, they got him through Dianetics. They used Dianetics to help him overcome his reading disability. Hmm. And what he did was he transferred the appreciation he had for getting over his reading disability he transferred that into a love for Scientology. So because he associates success in getting over his reading disability with the truth of Scientology and the effectiveness of it, well, that's just a very strong bond emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. You know, a lot of people are looking for something too. And, and you know, a lot of people... Like right now, I feel like there's a lot of judgment of religion, or at least Christianity, uh, and and rightfully so. It, it, but I also see like that sometimes that that these religions are you know they give people sort of these moral scaffoldings and and uh, they sort of give people I don't know they give them some sort of comfort and and most of these people are good people, and so I, I you know I used to have a really I used to have a really bad view towards religion because I just saw it as a way to, to control the masses, which, again, <laughs> it, it is, but it also provides something more to some people. I, I'm not particularly religious, you know, um, but it, I, I'll do this. I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. You're, spir you're spiritual? Uh, no. I, I, I mean, in, in a way, yes, because I, I, I do see things uh you know kind of through the lens of that there is something more to this than just what i'm seeing in front of me um what whatever you believe that in is. a you believe in a god i'm not sure i'm not sure about that i i think that there's definitely something more and i don't know if it can be condensed into god you know in a way uh, but it, it's definitely more to this than just, you know, it, it's just that idea of how science can only explain so much before they're just like magic, you know? It's just like you drill down on an atom and it's a quark and then you go down further and, and there are smaller parts to these things that make up matter. And, and to a certain point, science is just like, well, we just don't know. Why do, you know, why do certain things blip in and out of existence, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at it, right? Like, why do, why, how does that affect? So there is definitely something more to this. And I don't know if it's the simulation or if it's, or if it's some white guy in the clouds watching us masturbate. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just, to me, it, it, it's just, it, it's too big of a 
sort of a idea for me to wrap my head around. And so, you know, I submit to the, to whatever a higher power you want to call it. But I, I, I I'm not one for, you know, I'm not for one for like religious doctrine and following it to the T. Uh, I do find like things like Christianity and the Bible do have like these ancient truths to it, right? There's ancient wisdom that's embedded in these books that I think that you can learn a lot from. But I'm not sure if I'm going to go out and live my life, you know, to this book. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know you. I, I know you kind of have a weird thing with religion. Where are you at with it? In God, me? Yeah. Um, this is what I told my son. Mm-hmm. I said, when your father is dead, he's going to become one of those stars up in the sky, mm-hmm. and anytime. You miss your dad. You can look up at the star and know that your dad is looking down at you. Of course, that's not true. You did the Lion King. But there's going to come a time in his life when he's going to know that that's not true. Mm. And by the time he has that realization, he'll no longer need it to be. But I told him that so that if I were to die at some point while he's very young he will have some way of maintaining a connection to me in a meaningful way until he was older and able to give himself a better definition of what my death was. Hmm. And I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's where, where I am with religion. I'll tell you what religion is. Religion is a rope that we tie around our face to keep ourselves from staring into the abyss of our existential crisis. Mm. Life is miserable and it's meaningless. It's short and it's unfair. And what religion does, although inauthentically, is it provides a way for us to make meaning of our suffering, make meaning of our crisis, without succumbing to it. Hmm. Yeah. And for those who need it, I suppose it it serves that purpose. There is a such thing as healthy, good religion. But it's so easy for someone to just step inside of the driver's seat of your religious belief and start driving you around and taking you to destinations that you didn't intend to go. Yeah. And this is what you see in those high control groups like the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Scientologists, high control groups, that's what they do. They sit in that car with you and then they drive you around. They're now your mediator between you and God. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a good question. How do you how would you interpret it if it's if it doesn't matter? How would you interpret it if it doesn't matter? If if it is meaningless and there is no higher power to submit to, how do you interpret it? Well, I interpret it this way. I consider myself to be very, very lucky because outside of my front door, there is a doormat. And if you were to take that doormat and take a big stick and smack that doormat, dust and dirt will come off of it. If you take that dust and that dirt and you examine it in a laboratory, you break it down to its chemical compounds and its elements, you'll find that it's similar in composition 
to my body. I'm saying that the very same elements that are in my body are in that dirt that's on my front doormat. The only difference is I have a lot more water inside of me, whereas the dirt on my doormat does not have water. It also doesn't have awareness. It also doesn't have consciousness or the ability to ask questions, the ability to even be sad or to realize how hopeless and meaningless, ultimately, its existence is. And I consider that to be a very lucky privilege that I have, because out of all of the dirt that surrounds my house, the dirt that's on the floor, the dirt that's on the doormat, the, door, the dirt that's outside on my patio, this collection of dirt and water has been given all of those things. And I think that's enough. I don't need any other addition to that equation for it to make sense. To me, that is enough to make personal meaning out of my meaningless existence and create my own happiness. Yeah. What do you think? What about you? Do you go to church? Do you, do you miss going to church? Do you want to go to a church? I grew up a Catholic, pretty, and I went to a Catholic school, and um, my teachers were very cruel. And they weren't nuns. They were just regular people who were very cruel about God and religion. And um, it really warped me in that way, in that sense. And so it, it was... Uh, Church is not something I miss, and I, I don't care to go back. Um, but what's interesting is is that uh, my wife is starting to get in going back into church and going into uh, a Christian church, and she's really starting to really, yeah, yeah. She is. got that. She got that Jesus foot. She got. The, <laughs> she's stepping with Jesus now. She got. That Jesus she got the foot. bug. <laughs> yeah, when you walk with Christ, you got that Jesus foot. You got the Jesus foot. I used to, I used to, that story of Jesus is, is, is very moving. It's even powerful. now when I look back at, at the, even now looking back at my teenage years, when I thought that was a literally true story, it's still a moving story emotionally, even if you don't believe that it's literally true. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the appeal of the story, but I guess what kind of ruins the appeal of the story is this. What makes the idea of giving our lives for someone else so moving is the fact that it's something you can only do once. If you give your life for someone, that's it. You don't get to get your life back. You gave your life and that's it. And that's what makes it such a heroic gesture. But if you were to give your life and then get your life back, is it still heroic? If you were to give your life knowing that you're going to get your life back. Is that still heroic? What do you think? Um, I mean, if you're going to scripture, yeah, it is. Um, because the idea was that what what he he died for our sins, right? And then he went to hell and he got the, the keys. There's a, there's this talk about keys. He got the keys. He got our, something about salvation and then came back to um, spread that word. And so if you're talking about that, uh, if you're talking about in the scripture sense, then yeah, there is something heroic about going and fight, facing literal demons to win over our salvation 
mm-hmm. and bring it back and telling people about it. So yeah, there's something there's something to it. Um, okay. But, Suppose you had two men. One of them is a multi-billionaire, mm-hmm. and the other man is very, very poor. In fact, he's homeless. Each of them are asked to offer $100. For the billionaire, $100 is something he's not going to even notice. Let's say he gives $100, though. The poor man, $100 is something that he really doesn't even have access to. But let's say he's able to make the proper arrangements and scrape up that $100. This $100, although it's equal in value, is it equal in worth, do you think? The $100 that the billionaire gave, is it equal in worth to the $100 that the homeless man gave? Um, I mean, on the literal sense, yes, but I, I do see what you're saying. I mean, the the... The tr- the amount of trouble that the homeless man went through to get that hundred dollars, one hundred dollars, um, that you know he went through a lot of whatever it was that he had to go through to get that. Whereas the billionaire is just somebody who has that. That, that I mean, that's nothing, right? Like that's just, you know, that that's mm-hmm. that's not even a third of what his lunch cost that yeah. day, right? So it's like, you know, uh, no, it's not. If you're talking about like blood sweat and tears you know um it's not and let's say it turned out to be a poor investment and that 100 dollars was lost that billionaire (laughs) that's nothing to him but that homeless man that's he may not recover from that he might starve and go hungry Um, he may go he may freeze to death without lodging for the next couple of days so in a similar sense i get that according to christianity jesus gave his life But he's that billionaire. If he's God or God in the flesh, then he didn't really die. I mean, he came back to life. So is it the same as if I were to die for my family or you were to die for your family? I wouldn't say so because you don't get to come back. You stay dead forever. So would I. Mm. And I think the story of Jesus piggybacks on the affection we that's generated through the idea of sacrifice, but it ruins it because in the end, Jesus got his life back. So he didn't really have to pay the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice was never paid. He knew the whole time he was gonna get his life back. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a trick. Uh, Nader <sighs> says, trick question, get up and work. <laughs> to the homeless man. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. Uh, you know, the, the, that, uh, that idea of like, you know, finding meaning, I, I, I think you're onto it. I think you're right on the nose with that because you don't need somebody driving your car to find meaning in your life. Um, like I find a lot of meaning in my life, just that I'm lucky enough to have a wife who loves me truly, uh, who gave me a son, you know, and, uh, that, that to me is plenty of meaning. I don't, I don't need to go to church and have them paint some weird picture for me. And, um, I, 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 I and that, that's good enough for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I know you broke it down to, you know, um, uh, Adams and, 
dirt and such, but uh, at the end of the day, you're you're made of that dirt, and then you created another piece of that dirt with your wife, and mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. calling your son a dirt piece of dirt. That's or pretty cool, ain't it? But yeah, you were able to sort of take that, you know, and that came from the universe, that came from the stars, right? Because that dirt came from the stars and, and from whatever, the Big Bang. Man. And and so we're... Are you going to do that? Are you going to do that again, do you think? Are you going to have another kid? I, I do not want to have another kid. No. I, I'm, I Me or my wife want to do that. We, we just sort of want to, uh, you know, spoil our child, our only child, and, you know, send them no off. No more babies? No. How about you? Yeah, man, I want a, I want a whole lot more. You want a lot of babies? Yeah, man, I want a lot. That's beautiful, man. That's a beautiful. Lot. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that. Uh, no, it's for for me. It's just not uh, what we want to do as a couple. You know, we both are yeah. on that same level, and and that's great. You know, we we. I mean, you got to think that we were selfish musicians that are just living, you know, living yeah. our life, doing the things we want to do. And then the baby came as, you know, it was a pleasant surprise or he was a pleasant per- surprise, not it. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, it, and for us, that's enough. Uh, so if, if you've had a child, then, you know, the blessings of pregnant sex. Oh, yeah, man. Pregnant. Yeah, sex don't you dumb. don't you miss that? <laughs> In some sense. Yes, I do. I do, and and I gotta say, I I know this is kind of a fetish for some people, but pregnant women are very sexy to me, very sexy. Um, and, and you know, around the time my wife was pregnant and stuff, all that stuff, she was very sexy. And I know there's that last month, like the ninth month, where they're just like, oh God, you know, just get this out of me. Um, and you know, they're still beautiful in that sense, but they're, but yeah, man, I, I think that there's nothing more beautiful than someone who's pregnant. Like Rihanna last night, I mean, Rihanna's fine and pregnant Rihanna is gorgeous. And like, I I don't know, man, like I just, I find it, uh, I find it very appealing. Uh, what movie was she in? uh, I don't know if she was in a movie. She just has her music and her, and she has like a. Uh, she has is a, she a, she a rapper? She's a singer. She's singer? a singer. Yes. Okay. I'll look she, her up. She, she went, uh, she came up on Jay-Z's label and, okay. uh, oh, look, here's a pregnant Rihanna right here. We'll, we'll just go <laughs> right over Rihanna. There she is. Yeah, I don't know if you can see that very well. Oh, and that didn't she happen. She doesn't look. There you go. Yeah, I don't recognize her for anywhere from anywhere. Maybe what what songs does she have that are recognizable? Me, uh, work, 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 work. Um, or dime. Oh no, not that's Kanye. Um, damn it, I, I I can't even think of them right now. Umbrella, yeah, umbrella, umbrella. Um, uh, I thought there was an Eminem song, Umbrella. Yeah, Eminem's on Eminem? it. Yeah, it is. It's him. He's on the song. He's for you. Bitch better have my money. Yeah. Are you saying that Umbrella was an Eminem song that was someone else's song? I think it's I, I think it's a Rihanna song. No, he's not oh, on wow. it. Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Umbrella Eminem. I'm leaking. I gotta I am I'm, I'm not up. Yeah. I guess I just stopped paying attention. Eminem and lyrics for Rihanna. Yeah, it oh yeah. Under my umbrella. Yeah, Eminem. They did monsters together. Oh no, but look, it says it right here. Yeah, there it is. Reno. Call okay. yourself a Riri fan. 
You're a different song. <laughs> She's yelling in the background. Um, <laughs> it's uh, anyways. Um, it, it, dude, did you see the top fifty rappers of all times from Billboard? No, that would probably just make me want to break. Yeah, my desk or something. Oh, I would yeah. never. I would never hurt myself with that. <laughs> That's just gonna hurt me. Let me let me just hold on, hold on. I mean, you might agree with it though. You might agree with it. You you never know. Uh, where is it? Top fifty of all. I'm already mad. Yeah, I I feel you though. I feel. I'm already you. angry. <laughs> I'm already mad at this. The fact that Billboard feels like they have an that they have a valid opinion on rap music. It's. Philosophically, I, I disagree I, with I, how music is consumed and produced in the world. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, First please. and foremost, we're stuck in a cargo cult of music. Okay? And let me tell you why. Think about what John Lennon grew up listening to. What kind of music do you think his father was playing in his home? Oh, God, I, I can't even imagine, like, maybe old British folk songs or maybe classical yeah. music. And... Now, compare that to the sort of music that John Lennon started playing with the Beatles. It's a completely different form yeah. of musical construction and design. Okay. What happened to our musical revolution? Why are we still playing same rock and roll music that came out in the 50s and the 60s. John Lennon wasn't playing the same music they came out in the 20s and 30s, but we're still playing the same music they came out in the 50s and 60s. So our the way that we consume music and produce music is stuck in a bit of a cargo cult. We're simply doing these bands, like the, these first big celebrity bands, Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, um, these other commercially successful bands were so large that it created shockwaves of influence throughout the musical industry just due to the psychological techniques that the labels were using to market their bands. Look at the look at how crazy the young women went when mm -hmm. they were exposed to these young boys. They, now just imagine yeah. that same impact reverberating down through the decades. But just in the way of influence, you grow up listening to this music, you grow up watching your parents like this music. So naturally, as a child, you develop a taste for this music. When I play this music, it makes my mom and my dad happy. It makes me more acceptable to my friends and society. It gets me praise and admiration. So why would I ever innovate? I'm just going to stay right here. Hmm. Why would I ever deviate? especially if this is the way to make money musically by simply producing the same music that's been produced for the past 70 years. <laughs> so, and then the fact that you have a rock and roll hall of fame, rock music is anti-establishment. There isn't supposed to be any place in the mainstream for rock and roll acceptance. If they can build a hall of fame to you, you are now the status quo. Right. Dr. Dre, I think that they have I think that there are rappers that are that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, like mm -hmm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's like everyone forgets that in the very beginning, nobody wanted to talk to these people mm -mm. like they didn't even want to play Michael Jackson's music on MTV. 
But now these celebrities have been co-opted by the establishment. And that's why we can build Rock and Roll Hall of Fames, because now that there's been some money produced by them, now the mainstream says they're worthy of admiration. I just refuse to allow a global marketing scheme to dictate what I should and shouldn't listen to. I'm almost offended most of the time listening to the radio or just listening to new music because I know that it's inauthentic and it stinks to me. <laughs> when did, when did, so for you, when does music start to become authentic? Um, music becomes authentic when this happens. When you and a couple of your buddies get together in the garage one summer when you have nothing to do and you just poke around on the drums and the bass guitar and the guitar all summer, that's when music becomes real. But then again, what am I giving you? I'm simply giving you a step-by-step -step way of emulating what I saw as a child to be music. So then again, even I'm sort of stuck in this matrix of how music should look. But how I feel music should look and should be performed is probably the end result of a successful marketing campaign that was attached to some commercially successful band around the time that I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess we're all sort of stuck in that. <clears throat> but, I mean, when you look at what has come off of you know, rock and roll and what it was, uh, you know, its original intention. I, I do see that in how it sort of branches off when you get different variations of it, like punk music or even rap music and how, uh, you know, how, how, you know, it's funny how the evolution of hip hop was very much, it was just dance music, right? It was almost like a dance music. They were just talking about, you know, how much better that they are than the other rappers stuff. Mm. But then there became a point where there was this offshoot of where where it, it, where the money started to get focused here. That I don't want to make you mad anymore. Um, <laughs> they said Jay Z is the greatest rapper of all time. By the way, who said that? Billboard. Jay Z. Yeah. See what I'm talking about? <laughs> and he just so happens to be the richest one. Right. 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 It, that's the only way it recognizes value. Mm -hmm. Who has the most money in the end? Yeah. Tupac died with $7,000 in his bank account, with no with no house to his name. He only owned a car. Tupac owned a car and he had $7,000 in the bank. But yet, look at his influence. Yeah. But he didn't die a billionaire. How could Billboard put Jay-Z ahead of... See, like I said, it's, it's, it's already just making me mad. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm already angry. He, he's number four. Tupac is number four. Who's who's two who's second and third place ahead of Tupac? Kendrick Lamar is number two. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm already angry. I don't even want to know who the third one is because I'm just gonna get more upset. But I'm I'm so mad I almost like it. Who's who's who else did they put ahead of Tupac? Nas. They put Nas ahead of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. So they're just so they're just so they're just trying to rattle people's cages because that's intentionally controversial. They're just trying to make people talk about their magazine. Yeah. That's outrageous. Much. Yeah. No, they, they put, uh, they, they put, if you really want to be mad, they put Nicki Minaj in the top 10. And I mean, I don't even know if you know who Nicki Minaj is, but I mean, she's a good rapper. She has skills. 
She's not in the top ten. Okay. She's they put a strip a strip rapper <laughs> yes. in the top ten rappers. Yeah. Yeah. That that. It, it, what can I say? It. Are you angry? On a scale from one to five, how angry are you? Um. You know, I don't let these things kind of get to me. Uh. But if I had to say, I would say probably a, a good three. A good three. Three. Yeah. A good three. But I'm a I'm a one. But it, I'm only a one because I know that they're trying right. to bait me. Yeah. But if I didn't know any better, I would probably be blogging about this and arguing about it on internet discords. Oh, How yeah. about this? Um, if you could fight any living musician, who would you fight? Kanye West. <laughs> you fight Kanye West? Let's go, Kanye West. That's a good choice, man. <laughs> that is a good choice. Straight out the bat. Uh, and I, yeah, because he 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 has that quick rage. Mm. He could get. I've seen I've seen him sort of snapping, yeah. go after the paparazzi. I think he has a rage in him. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have your hands full with Kanye West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you? Me? Yeah. Uh, any any living musician? Yeah, let's go. Um, oh man, any living musician. I think I'd fight Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I think I'd fight Marilyn Manson. And that would be a fan. That would be a good fight too. He's yeah. a tall guy, reach. Yeah. And he's like in his fifties, but he's been, he's like one of the last rock stars because his music really does rock the establishment. It'll mm-hmm. never be mainstream. Yeah. But he did kind of get commercial oh, in yeah. the two thousands. TRL man, he was all over TRL. Yeah, he was all and for a, and for a minute he was like he was like heading like a whole advertising campaign on MTV. He was getting MTV awards and mm-hmm. stuff, so he's kind of mainstream too. Oh yeah, he he had those fake boobs on for that one yeah. album. Yeah, yeah, he was. Remember the Dope Show? The Dope oh, Show. Yeah, album? that was off of that. That was <laughs> yeah. off of that. We're all star. That's that's when he fell off as real hard. Because um, because I, I I I am a fan, you know. Not that I stopped being a fan. I just stopped following him after a certain a period of time because, well, but oh, uh, brother Trent Reznor. Trent, oh would my you God. fight? Would you fight Trent Reznor? <sighs> yeah, I would fight him. Do I want to? Yeah, he seems a little emo for me. He likes to he's sli- like a li- he's like a linebacker. He's real strong. Yeah, he's big. He, and you know what? He can take a shot to the nads. Uh, I've seen him on stage slamming the Mike's mm. pole into his balls, like repeatedly slamming it into his balls. So he can also take pain. So that, that's something to think about and to consider. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, I mean, shit. How about this? How about this? <laughs> um, if you could fight any famous woman, <laughs> be careful with this one. Who would it be? Kamala Harris. Let's go. You'd fight Kamala Harris? Kamala, let's go. You'd fight the vice wife? Yeah, let's Kamala go. Kamala Harris? Yeah, why not? Let's bring it all back home. It, it's, yeah, it, I, I love her. Um, I love her, her speeches that go nowhere and just loop around in circles and circles. I, I feel like it would be something to, something to tell the grandkids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I'd mud wrestle with Nancy Pelosi. There you go. There you go. I don't know how much yeah. of uh, Bruce Jenner. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, you're dead naming Naders. You're dead naming. Uh, 
Nancy Pelosi, brother. Yeah. Nancy. I think she's got some fight in her. She's got yeah. some fire. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. She she have you ever seen any like young pictures of her too? She had she Yeah, had, she was nice. Yeah. She had big she's old, cute. She had big old milk bags, man. Big old milk and bags. She still has them too. Yeah, she's still out they're out on display. And she, yeah. she she's a better investor than Warren Buffett. Like it's amazing. She's just a all isn't she worth like two hundred million dollars? Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly wealthy. Yeah. Incredibly wealthy. She's very wealthy. If I had to if I had to fight a woman, any famous woman. Oh man. This is a this is a landmine of a question. <laughs> because do you pick a strong woman or do you make it difficult or do you pick a, a Yeah. Maybe Oprah Winfrey. I think oh. she'd be a good fight. Oh, Oprah, yeah. Yeah. I think I, she I think she could fight. Yeah, she 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 came up to the ranks. You know that she's done something to get to where she's at. Yeah, I think Oprah Winfrey could could really hurt you if she if she put her mind to it. She could focus her energy and really give you a bad day like a grizzly bear. <laughs> grizzly protecting their young yeah. oh man yeah i could see that i could see that don't hurt mom <laughs> here's one if you could fight any marvel character oh lord which marvel character would you fight uh, who's that guy the, the dude who used to be andy in um in uh in in parks and rec uh chris pratt he he's the Star Lord. Is that his name? The from uh, Captain, is that is that Captain America? Chris Pratt? No, no, no. It's uh, it's uh, is that who his name is? Star Lord. Um, uh, it's the guy from um, G Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy. Star Lord. Is it? Oh yeah, Star Lord is right. Thank you, Robbie. Yeah, Star Lord. I, I would go for Star Lord because uh, Star Lord. Yeah, he uh, he was a uh, um. I mean, I mean, if we're talking about Marvel Universe movies, I mean, I I, I like Chris Pratt, and he's kind of ripped, and he and and uh, you know he he likes good music. He has a good soundtrack. I don't know. So there. You, I don't know. How about you? I think I'd fight Spider Man. Oh, that's a good. He's one. really he's really smug. <laughs> he is. He's a really smart smug. Ass. He is. A smug little smart mouth. <laughs> he really just needs a. I think I could give him a run for his money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he used to be my favorite character. Actually, I used to collect all of his, uh, all of the. Do you remember the cartoon, the 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 uh, maybe the '90s cartoon of Spider Man? Oh yeah, I Spider Man, love Spider Blood, Radioactive Spider. -Man. Spider -Man. Yeah, yes, man. there it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and the X Men. Those those cartoons were sick, man. X-Men? Yeah, man. Yeah. That's sick. Uh yeah, I, I used to love Spider-Man. Um and, and, and like my first but who was your first superhero that you were just like, oh, this is the one? Superman. Super Me too, man. Me too. Yeah, brother. Superman. Yeah. But now, but now at my age, I it's 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 perfectly clear by now. It's perfectly clear by now who the most deadly superhero of them all is. In fact, I think this person is so deadly. He could probably find a way to cross over to the Marvel Universe and take care of them, too. I bet you this individual is already aware of the Marvel Universe and has come up with a way of taking out everyone 
from that universe should those two worlds collide. There's only one person. Hmm. The Hulk? You know who it is? I don't know. The Hulk? The Hulk? The, the Hulk, brother? <laughs> the Hulk? <laughs> who is the only person smart enough to have a contingency to take out every superhero? Mm, oh, 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 you're saying smart enough. I, I, I must have missed that. There's only one. Uh, I, uh, Xavier? Is, is ah, brother, <laughs> I'll give you one last chance. Think hard, brother. It better Think not, hard. It better not be Iron Man. It better not be Tony Stark. It ain't Tony. All right. It's it's not it's not. I'll give you a hint. It's not Marvel. Oh, it's not Marvel. No, none of the Marvel characters are are on this level. They're oh, just not there yet. Who's, Marvel's not there. Who's yet. the who? Who's the guy? Um. Oh, he he. Oh my God. What's the name of the one? He's like the dude who is. Um. Oh my God. He's like all blue and. Oh my God. He's he, he seems like to me the most powerful and. You talking about Doctor Manhattan? Yes, 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 Dr. Manhattan. You want to know something? This individual probably even has a contingency plan on how to take out Dr. Manhattan. No, oh, hell no. I think he's the, he's there, brother. He's he's there. Yeah. Um there's only one, man. There's really only one. <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Batman, brother. Big, no. Batman. Come on. Batman. Oh. He's already done it before. Sorry, he's already done it before. Let me tell you, there was there was an instance where Poison Ivy took everyone on the planet under her spell, except for Batman and Catwoman. She had Superman. She had Gotham Girl. She had them all under her spell. The only two people she couldn't control was Batman and Catwoman. The reason she couldn't do that was because Batman was smart enough to test her her poison on himself years in advance and build up an immunity to it. So when she finally sprang this trap, he and Catwoman were the only two people who didn't fall for it. Batman, Superman was flying around doing exactly what she said under her spell. Yeah, that's Batman. He's just, he's just, he's just on another level. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just not with it, man. I just can't, I can't, I can't. Not Batman. I look, I like Batman. You know, there's nothing against Batman. But uh, it's just I'm not seeing him. I mean, like, especially when you think about someone like Dr. Manhattan who can, like, control and see time and, and like, interact with it and 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 know it all at once. It's like, ugh, it's, it's okay, hard. Let me, let me tell you how Batman got out of this. Oh, okay. okay. Let's hear it. Maybe this will this, this will maybe this will help out. This is how Batman get out of this. He intentionally made Superman angry. He made Superman angry enough to punch him hard enough to kill him. You know how difficult that is? How difficult that would be to make Superman angry enough to punch you hard enough to just destroy your brain. Like Superman is this calm, cool guy, but who could do it? Batman got him to do it. Now, let me tell you why Batman did it. Batman did this because he knew that if Superman punched him, there was only one person on the planet who could put his head back together. Do you know who that was? Batman? Who, who, is the neuro, who, who is the neuroscientist with four PhDs in the DC universe? She's a neuro, It's a woman. A neuroscientist. She's got four PhDs in neuroscience. I don't know. I guess I just, I'm not that schooled. Yeah. Harley Quinn. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I forgot. So, so this is why he did it. He did this because he knew that the root cause for Poison Ivy doing this was because she was in love with Harley Quinn. So he had Superman punch him because this would force Poison Ivy, uh, this would force Harley Quinn to come out of hiding to fix Batman, which would force an interaction between her and Poison Ivy. And once this was resolved, she relinquished her hold on the whole world. Batman did that. Batman saved everybody. He saved Superman. He saved Gotham Girl. Everybody. It's Batman. He's the best. <sighs> She had everybody under her spell. The president of the United States, everybody was doing the bidding of Poison Ivy. That's Batman. He did that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one, Beast. I mean, like, I, you make strong points. You make very strong points. But I, I just... <clears throat> it's hard to see Batman with all his 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 resources and his his intellect um, getting past Doctor Manhattan. I mean, like to me, like it feels like Doctor Manhattan is like the end all be all of of the superheroes, at least in the DC universe. So, brother, I, I, brother, 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 <laughs> brother, 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 brother. Do you know who Gotham Girl was? Gotham Girl. I don't. I don't even know who Gotham Girl was. Oh. I, I don't. I don't even want to go into it because it, it's complicated. But let me. But let me <laughs> tell you this about about Batman. I'm gonna give you a smaller, a lesser known fact about Batman. Let's go. Batman has confined a lot of people to Arkham Asylum, but there's one patient in particular that is seldom spoken about. In fact, I haven't heard this patient mentioned in any of the Batman films. And if they mentioned that this patient was at Arkham, it would completely shake up the Batman universe. And maybe that's why they don't touch it because it is, it, it would ask, it would complicate things quite a bit. Thomas Wayne, the father of Bruce Wayne is a patient at Arkham Asylum. He's locked in Arkham Asylum. He's in there. Wait, he's, he's not dead? Oh, he's dead too, but he's oh. also a patient at Arkham Asylum. And sometimes Batman goes there and talks to his father so maybe Batman needs to be in Arkham? I mean, it seems like Batman has problems. Well, I don't think Arkham Asylum could hold Batman. The reason he's there is because Batman in an alternate reality is not Bruce Wayne. It's actually Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne becomes Batman in an alternate reality in which Bruce Wayne dies and his mother becomes the Joker. So after Bruce Wayne dies and his mother becomes the Joker, Thomas Wayne kills his wife, who was also the Joker, and he crosses timelines into Bruce's timeline where he's Batman. Now, Thomas Wayne is Batman in his world. Bruce Wayne is Batman in his world where Thomas Wayne is now residing. In his mind, Bruce Wayne isn't the real Batman. This is just my son who was hurt because his father died. And he's clearly trying to compensate. So I need to teach my son that he's not Batman. And Thomas Wayne goes on to school and completely humiliate Batman. Took his girl, killed Alfred, you know, killed his kids, you know, just completely broke Batman. Fought him barefisted at the bottom of this pit, beat him in a fist fight and left him for dead. Just completely destroyed him, broke his back, took over the city, had everything on lock. Thomas Wayne did that. 
But with the help of Catwoman, he's able to overcome Thomas Wayne and lock him in Arkham Asylum. So Thomas Wayne is a guest in Arkham Asylum. That is a true story, friend. Wow. <sighs> Meditations of men right here. Um, Meditations of Batman. <laughs> Meditations yeah. of Batman. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I'm curious, were you ever in any real fights? Like in your life, any like fist to fist, hand uh, uh, fist to cuffs, like were you in school or even as an adult? Yeah, I've been in some fights, but yeah. I'm gonna say those were probably the the lowest points in my life, mm -hmm. fighting people. <laughs> because looking back, all of those fights were fights I could have avoided. Yeah, I could have walked away from. But sometimes it feels good to fight to punch, to kick, to stand over and yell. Feels good sometimes, but I don't enjoy fighting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Have you been in a, any fights as an adult? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but but I was an alcoholic. Well, technically I'm still an alcoholic, but that was when I was drinking heavily. It was it was it was all stupid stuff. And, and like you say, and it, it's all things that could have been avoided and all things that should have been avoided. Uh one of the things that people who like to get in fights don't ever seem to never take into consideration is that the other person might know how to really hurt you and then mm -hmm. or um uh they they don't take into consideration that the other person might uh be in the state of mind where they can take a life and be okay with it, or mm -hmm. if they have a weapon on them, or if they get knocked unconscious and fall back and hit their head on the concrete, that they could actually become brain dead or die. So mm -hmm. that's that's the thing that about people who just like to fight and like to put themselves in those positions is they end up in pretty bad situations, you know what I mean? And and uh, I, I don't think people think that through. And, and, and of course, when you're in those moments of yelling and, and you know, adrenaline, you're not thinking about that end consequence. You're just thinking about this moment right now, and uh, you, which is terrible. So uh, it's just, to me, fighting is it's so stupid. I, I'm not much for violence unless it's necessary. Um and so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't find it. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's not, not good, man. You, you strike me as a peaceful guy. Yeah, that's, I try to be. That's good. I mean, I guess I don't try. It's pretty easy for me to be peaceful. I don't want to. I like my peace. You know, I mean, I don't like. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, you know, like uh, when when. You know, all couples fight, you know, so I'm sure you've been in this position where maybe you have a disagreement with your with with your wife and the whole house is just uh, unrest, you know, and like even 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 if me and my wife are having a disagreement and, and my son feels it, like everybody there's just a unrest in the house and mm. that consumes me and uh, it, it just makes my whole exterior life outside mm -hmm. of the home harder and and. So what I've found is that the more peace you can sort of create within your home and within yourself is like the more peace you're going to find out in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's something you can agree with. Creating peace inside of yourself? And and in your home, you know, I mean, because mm -hmm. like you, you, uh, you, it, it's, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, 
carries out when you have to interact with people on a daily basis. You know, like mm-hmm. you go to your day job and you do that thing that you have to do every day. For me, that interferes with that and what I need to accomplish there. It's something that's just lingering. Even if it, even if, and I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing things, but mm-hmm. even then, it's still something that weighs on you, mm-hmm. and it's still something that affects you. Uh, if it wasn't there, you know, what I mean, if you, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's like when you make your orbit around a star. If something happens to that star your orbit around it is going to be impacted. Mm. Imagine if you were orbiting around a star that collapsed into a black hole. That's definitely going to impact your orbit. It's Mm. going to pull you in and under. But imagine if you were orbiting a star that went supernovae and exploded. That's also going to impact your orbit. So... I can tell by how you speak about your family that your family is your center. That is what you orbit around. So if there are disturbances inside of that, well, your orbit will be impacted. This is what I used to do. I used to do this. I used to say, instead of orbiting around something else and making that something else, the foundation and the center of my peace. Why don't I accumulate enough mass on my own so that I can collapse into a star, fuse in my own core, and become that star around other around which other people may orbit? This gives me certain advantages. First and foremost, all orbits are elliptical first off and what does that mean it means that in an elliptical orbit both objects the one that's more massive and the one that's less massive are both orbiting around the center of gravity between them and so by being a star by being that stable gravitational thing around which other people have created their orbit You also generate an orbit individually with each one of these objects that orbit you, which in a sense brings you your peaceful orbit in the process. But you only have that if you make yourself that center for others. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And um, it's. uh, I think what you're saying is is where I'm where I'm at right now is in like just finding, you know, just being okay with myself because for a long time, obviously if yeah, I was a drug addict drinking, blah, 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 that, that, that is a sure sign that someone is not okay with who they are, what they, with, with, what, what they have, you know, and, and what, what, what their impact in the world. I'm at that point now where I'm able to find peace within myself, even if I am sort of, um, you know, bothered by the day or bothered by something, it's easier for me to sort of let that go and not let someone, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic or something, Mm -hmm. something menial like that. For some people that can just set their whole day off in a tangent. And and that's a sure sign as well as someone that doesn't have peace within themselves and, and, uh, you know, is not okay with their place in the world. And 
Yeah, at this point, at this age, I'm getting to that point where it's like, yeah, I, I do find strength within myself to get through certain situations. Um, you know, when 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 my family means a lot to me, and um, you know, I, I always want to make sure that they're comfortable. But only in these last few years that I've really done work on myself have we found a peace. You know. It, in the family and in, in our mm -hmm. inner circle here um, because I was so, uh, I don't know, just quixotic and I could, I, there was a point, you know, where I would be punching holes in boxes. You know, I stopped punching holes in walls a long time ago. It, 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 it downgraded to boxes mm. or, or like a pillow or something. But to even have that kind of explosion of anger, uh, it, it really is, is not a, it's not a sound way to be. And so now I'm getting to that point where I'm I'm able to sort of create my own gravity and, and my own pull. And and you see it and you see the effect it has on other people when you can mm -hmm. sort of walk into a place and you're at peace. I work in a kitchen and um, I don't know if you've ever worked in a kitchen, but it can be a very stressful place. Mm -hmm. And I do notice how that just my presence being able to sort of be like, well, you know, putting off this vibe that things aren't as bad as people are saying, it mm. calms people. Yeah. And, and so if you keep that sort of keep that calm, keep that peace, it, 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 it's, 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 it's like, a it's like a, you spread it like a virus, you know, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but it, it really does spread. And so that's, that's where I'm at. I'm starting to become that. And that's, that's why I'm very happy with my own progress because you know, I, I can have people screaming at me about something mm -hmm. and there's no, I'm not going to sit there and scream back. I'm just not, it's not in me. And I'm not even like mad at this person who's screaming, right? It's like, I'm I'm not mad at their problem. Like, cause whatever they're dealing with is <laughs> that's their shit, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let that interfere with me. So, I mean, yeah, there, there has been points where I, I put my own, you know, even my own self-worth into other people and, and making other people happy. But at this point, I'm just like, if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not in my, in a good space, then, you know, no. it's going to be, it's going to spread and it's going to mm -hmm. be around me. And, and I don't like that. And yeah. it's just not useful, you know, <clears throat> it's not useful at all. Yeah, brother, that's. I can tell you spend some time reflecting on that. Um, reflect on this with me now. Sure. Um, which would you rather do? Would you rather jump onto a female grizzly bear's back? Okay. While its cubs were in clear view. Or slap a stick of bamboo out of a gorilla's mouth. Oh, which, which, which would you rather do? Oh, my God. Um... I think I think I would rather do the bamboo out of the gorilla's mouth. Uh, either way, it sounds like I'm I'm dead. So I, I guess the gorilla's probably gonna rip you in half, brother. Probably, but the 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 bear is gonna eat me asshole first. So what what you know, what, <laughs> what what are you gonna do? <laughs> Cold yeah, rip or or butthole eating? I don't know. Yeah, that's a rough spot, brother. Because that gorilla, <laughs> gorillas are very strong. Yeah, and they're vegetarians, right? Aren't they veg mostly vegetarians? Yeah, but I think they'll make an exception if you slap them in the face <laughs> while they're eating bamboo. I think they'll become man eaters at that <laughs> yeah, point. I think you're right. 
<laughs> I think you're right too. How about you? Which one would you rather do? Me? Oh, bro. I think I. I think I'd rather slap the gorilla too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd rather do that. Bears are. Oh man. Oh, brother, vicious, grizzly vicious. bears, just unrelenting. It's so much pain and hurt. Yeah. It, like you, when they eat you, you're alive. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awful. Yeah, they're not. They're not afraid. <laughs> not, and they they're have, not afraid. They have no remorse. They don't. They don't feel bad for you and your problem. No. I mean, they'll eat their own babies. You know, I mean, like any creature, they'll just start chewing down on their own kids. It's not. I'll tell. I'll tell you the way one of my mentors told me years ago. He said a long time ago, man was very wild. He was too wild to be civilized, and so man made a deal with the gods. And what the gods did was they took all the wildness that used to exist inside of man. And they drove it into the woods, and it became a bear. And that's where you get the grizzly bear. But that grizzly bear, at one point, used to be a part of us. It was our wildness mm. until the gods drove it into the wilderness. But it's tempting sometimes to reunite that wildness, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. It to become is. one with the beast. Yeah. To wake that beast, if you would. Yeah, for sure. And there's something um, there's something very useful in that as well, right? There's something very useful in being able to tap into that. Um, you know, not not to say to be like you know a remorseless murderer, but maybe it is sometimes. You know, but but uh, in in a more practical sense, it's like tapping into that to achieve a goal or tapping into that to lose weight. You know what I mean? Tapping mm. into that to further your career and whatever it is like tapping into that ruthlessness of, of, uh, of a beast to, to tear through it because I, I is, 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 is fucked up as it sounds is like there is prey and then there's predator. And mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily want to be a predator, but I sure as hell don't, don't want to be a predator. You don't prey. want to be a predator. I mean, I'm I sorry. I don't. I, why don't you want to be a predator? I mean, I, yeah, that's. I did mean to say. Okay. I do want to be. I don't necessarily want to be a predator in a way that is harmful, right? Uh, but I, but I, I sure as hell don't want to be prey either. So, yeah, be a predator in the sense that I, you know, again, I'm not out here saying, you know, go and be a predator in, in a terrible way. Uh, mm -hmm. But but be a predator in a way that's you know concise and uh, strategic and mm -hmm. uh, like a game of chess. You know, what I mean, I, I like to think of things in that sense. Uh, Tactical predation. Yeah, exactly, and not yeah. something you know terrible. You know, but but I don't want to be a prey. I don't want to be prey because that's the last place you want to be is eating asshole first, man. That's just not where it's at. No, no, no. No, that that's that's not fun at all. Do you feel that? Do you feel that you preyed on your wife before you married her? Do you feel that 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 instinct to prey, to hunt, to chase, to eat? Do you feel that that was present in you when you went after your wife? Um. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, even in the most animalistic terms, you know, I want I want. I wanted to copulate, you know, I wanted to bang, <laughs> I wanted to get at it, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So like even on the most uh, 
animalistic level, yeah. And then, and then you know, someone to you know, stake claim on. Not that I own my wife, but the the you know, I wanted her to be with me, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I I left my current girlfriend at the time to be with her. Ah, she must have really um, tickled your fancy. <laughs> she sure as hell did. And the the girl that I left, of what I mean, it was just a terrible toxic relationship. It was not. It wasn't something that needed to continue in the first place. So, um, it, it it was a good. It was a good move. It was. A tell good, me what. Tell me what happened. How did How did she find out about it? About what? About you and um, about you and your your wife. Did she? Did you tell oh. her like, look, I'm breaking up with you. Oh, this we, ain't working out, sweetie. Oh, we we were just we were just terrible. Uh, we, we we were openly like cheating on each other just because it, again this was a terrible relationship. Both of us were on drugs. Mm. Um, both of us were drinking heavily. It, it was it was really she like she knew I was like going out and and getting with other people. So I, and like and she was too. It it was gross. And when I say mm. it was toxic, it was toxic man it was not a good place to be um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't like i was uh i was trying to hang on to that in any sense of the, any sense of it but i was just like like bye i gotta go mm. and which she didn't like she didn't like that but that's okay i mean most people don't like to be completely just abandoned um and that's what it was because we were both sort of on their way out of this relationship, even though we kept just sort of coming together. Also, we lived like a block away from each other. Oh, brother. You couldn't <laughs> get away from her, could you, brother? No. Come home from the bar, you know, doing whatever. It's like, I'm going to go over there and do that. You know, it's, ugh, mm. God, it, it's just, it, it's not, a, it's not great memories. There was good. I memories. remember, I remember one time I was, I was playing music with this girl. I wanted to play music with her, but I think her interests were romantic in nature. But I wanted to play music with her. And I remember I went to her house one night because she was like, yeah, just come to my house and we'll lay down some vocals. And so I go to her house and I have my computer there. And I didn't realize this at the time, but like the whole time, like she's trying to be flirty with me. And I was completely miss reading it. Mm-hmm. It, it because the idea never crossed my mind like to, to do that with her yeah. and so the whole time i'm getting frustrated because i'm like why won't this girl like sit down <laughs> and record these vocals like are you done like are, are you all right like she was rolling around and like and then she rolled back on her bed and i saw that she had no underwear on and i was like oh <laughs> Okay, I think I, I I think I know where this is going, but like I said before, it's that that's that's a rule that I've come to 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 see the value in is not having girls in the band because someone always has sex with the girl. It it it, it just happens. Looks like you were that guy, but that's all right, you know. Well, it, it sounds out. like you guys formed a better band. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. We we know how to work. We 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 we're great. We're great, like you know, wife, husband, and wife. But we're also good business partners as well. Yeah, you know I mean, we we have we're we're 
we have a great um, sense of that. So uh, yeah, it's it, it wasn't a problem. I mean, it kind of was a problem at one time because I was just too commandeering at times. But it, it, it was a uh, you know I I learned you learn how to function in a relationship and and you learn where to step aside, especially because I know that she is the she has a role that mm. that she's really good at in creation and an organization mm. where I have my own strengths, you know, too. So like you really do have to sort of discover who, whose strengths is, it, it, you know, who has the strength to do this and who has the strengths to do this. And we've learned that and it took a long time, but we mm. were able to sort of do that. And, and, uh, that, that, that was, you know, that was a lot. I mean, that we had to get through a lot with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, Speaking on like relationships and mm-hmm. how, uh, you know, I don't know how into like AI and uh, stuff you are. I mean, I love your Joe Biden, <laughs> your Joe Biden quotes. <laughs> oh, my Joe, B- my Joe Biden. I love your Joe Biden. But like there's these, uh, I, have you heard that, that, you know, the idea of like OnlyFans and or mm-hmm. even virtual girlfriends, like there, there's people who are on OnlyFans who have AI mm-hmm. women who are, you know, able to sort of connect with men um, individually and, and mm-hmm. you know, men, you know, people keep saying that men are sort of abandoning dating um, and just sort of carrying on these online relationships. Do you, do you think that there will be ever a time when... Um, you know, AI or even these sort of virtual relationships will um, will replace sexual selection. Do Do you think that will ever be something that will be replaced? Well, I suppose if you ever became a man that preferred a machine over a a woman, you would ultimately go extinct because mm. you're not reproducing and passing on your genes. Yeah. So I guess you could say that that would be a form of natural selection and that men would be naturally selecting themselves for extinction by accepting a surrogate to fatherhood but there really is no surrogate to fatherhood but this is what i will say about ai women are going to lose the war to ai generated pornography Hmm. um when you think about the speed I think ultimately AI technology is going to, and unless we enact measures to stop it or slow it down, let me put it to you this way. So let's say you are a content creator, you are a live streamer, you run a podcast. Let's say you were up 24 hours a day. There is a limit to how much content you can produce, quality content that you can produce. But when you think about AI, AI doesn't need to sleep. It could stay up at all hours of the night. It can make thousands of different attempts independent of each other to produce content. And if it wanted to, it could flood the internet with that content. And just look at YouTube. Just think about what could happen if AI began to mass produce media or content on YouTube. There will be no way for organic content creators to keep up. You'd get lost in a sea of AI-generated data. So unless measures are put in place to stop that from happening, that's the future of the internet. 
AI will be able to put up websites in a fraction of the time it takes humans to do that. Unless we put measures in place to stop it. But I don't think we're going to do that. I don't either. We're only expanding on it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we're only... And we're allowing it to learn and, and, and to grow in that sense. Like, you know, I think Bing and Microsoft is is incorporating uh, like a chat GPT into uh, into their search engine. So now it's just going to be start replacing Google because, I mean, Google is amazing for yeah. what it's done, but it's nothing compared to the things that chat GPT is doing and... and uh, you know, where does that end? And it's funny that people think, thought that the blue collar jobs and stuff were going to be the first to go with automation and AI. But it's interesting. I hope it's, I hope it's politicians that go first because <laughs> their jobs could be automated the easiest. Yeah, take money and make policy. In, <laughs> but we wouldn't even have to give them any money. I know, anymore. I know. That, we would get all the money out of politics. They could be replaced the easiest because they have the most meaningless job like for example if 10 politicians if you're if you're trying to start a town and all you have are 10 politicians you're not going to get much done but if you have 10 carpenters you can start building you can start cutting trees down you can start getting to work yeah and this just reminds us that politicians don't solve real problems if you have a a leak in your pipes or your electricity is going out there's no politician that can come and and help you with that so they don't really solve problems. They don't have a trade. Barack Obama can't get underneath your house and help you with your pipes or perform surgery. Right. There is there is no real value that's brought by merely being a politician. So their jobs could be replaced the fastest. I mean, we could really start there. Yeah. 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 Would, you would be okay with uh, AI, in a sense, running the country? Yes. 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 But but it's like the the question of like like who made God, right? Like if God made everything, who made God? Like who is running these these the who who is in charge of keeping these algorithms going? Mm. I mean, we're seeing that as a problem right now with ChatGPT how maybe you've seen this maybe you haven't, but there's like how they asked ChatGPT to write a, a nice poem about Donald Trump, and it was like, we can't because he's racist and terrible. Uh, and then it was like, write a poem about Joe Biden. And it was just like, Joe Biden is the greatest, and we love him, and he's bringing freedom to all, you know. So how do you get around something like that? So have you ever heard the story about the two philosophers in the strip club? <laughs> no, I have okay. not. Yeah, one day a philosopher and a feminist walk into a strip club and they sit down. And out comes this woman, shaking and gyrating, moving, wiggling, and bobbing around, all on the stage. When this happens, the feminist goes off and she says, I can't believe how sexist this world is. Look at what these sexist men are forcing this woman to do. Why is it that a woman, in order to be valid in this world, has to be sexy or sexual? If the world, dominated by men, would have provided legitimate opportunities, women would have never have had to turn to 
sexual entertainment. Shame on this patriarchal system that excludes women and objectifies them sexually. When the philosopher hears the feminist say that, he says, slow down a minute. Wait just a moment. If we were to take even a cursory glance at history, what we find out is that societies get by the best way that they can by approaching problems with whatever resources they have available and applying them to the best of their ability. If society has placed women in the position they are now, it is only because at some point in the evolutionary past of human beings, both biologically and socially, this was what made survival more likely. Of course, the feminist wasn't having any of this nonsense, and so back and forth they kept going. When the stripper had finished dancing, she approached them and she said, you're both wrong. I'm only doing this because I want to. That's it. Mm. And so just like we sometimes look at a woman and we assume that the woman is acting because of nature or she's acting because a man is making her do something, when in reality, we forget that women also have their own minds and they can do things completely because they want to. I think we're making, we're making a similar mistake with ChatGPT. Who's controlling it? Well, we are assuming that ChatGPT needs someone to control it. How do you know that ChatGPT, just like a woman, isn't capable of making its own mind, reaching its own conclusions, and making its own decisions just like we do yeah <clears throat> and i guess that's the scary part too right because if they're make if it's making its own decisions um what why would they want to you know let's say chat gpt is the president of the united states right why would it even care to progress this country further for to benefit its citizens what why what 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 wouldn't stop it from just being like you know what let's just mm -hmm. let's just end these things that are just mm -hmm. getting in the way and let's start a nuclear war with russia and let's in china let's go and and excellent i, I think that is tastefully spook i think that that is a tastefully spooky question <laughs> Tastefully spooky. In fact, I want to ask the chat, um, on a scale from one to five, how spooky is that idea that AI represents a threat to human beings by virtue of seizing control of humans and then exterminating us? One being not very spooky, five being too spooky. How spooky is that? I'm going to say that I'm going to give that a one on the spooky scale. I don't think that's what really scares us about AI is, oh my goodness, is the AI going to kill us all? Let me tell you what really terrifies us about AI, not just AI's application of politics, but the existence of AI. The existence of AI makes us confront our own mortality. It makes us uncomfortable because it leaves us thinking, it leaves us wondering, well, if ChatGPT is just a series of lines of code and programming, but yet it's able to perform at the same level as human beings, then perhaps human beings are nothing more than just 
lines of code and programming just in a biological sense. And that is a very uncomfortable idea that we are somehow not in control of ourselves, that we're not these fully functional, spontaneous, free creatures, but just like ChatGPT, who is successful, but just following orders. Maybe we too are just following predetermined lines of code. And that's really unsettling. Makes us question, who are we then? Like if I'm not special and unique and generating my own reality, then what am I then? And that's unsettling. At least it is for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 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 jet the chat gb and and you know like i i see what you're saying on in in the sense of you know, allowing the ai to sort of take over these politician jobs because obviously whatever's going on now isn't working anyways um but it is that idea that that we are putting the power of What's supposed to be, you know, a, a representative republic in in the in the hands of of, of a computer, and um, that that that's just it, it's uh, I don't I don't care for that at all. I, you know, mm -hmm. it's just not that humans are doing any better, but it's just to me it's it's not really what what I would be comfortable with. I mean, would you, would you be absolutely comfortable with it? I mean, oh I, yeah. Yeah. You, yes, you, I, I, I feel great <laughs> um, sleeping at night after saying <laughs> prayers to my AI overlords. I'd, I'd feel great. I'd feel that that would be the ultimate technology. That would be the ultimate use of technology. Yeah. A completely automated society to where each individual can just go about their existence, enjoying life. Everything mm. has been automated. Everything. Even your politics. There's no more politics now. Your government is merely a system that functions based on algorithms and programming. So there's no more politics and there's no more political speeches, no more political stumping, no more elections. We do the things that are most logical. We follow the direction of this quantum computer that can run incredibly advanced simulations about what the long-term consequences will be based on decisions. That's more farsight than any human being will ever be capable of. So we should just yield, just like we trust calculators to do math for mm. us, right? Mm. Because we recognize we can never do it as fast. Likewise, why not trust computers to run our governments? You'll never be able to do that as fast or as good as them either. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the... The thing about AI as well is that we we picture it doing all these things, like you said, that we're we're afraid of, and we're afraid of our own mortality, and we're afraid of finding, you know, uh, where's our meaning at in life. But I, I feel like we're in such a beginning stage of AI, we we can't really comprehend what it's actually going to be capable of, and what we're actually going to use it for. Um. You know, I what what do you think? <laughs> what do you think that we'll ultimately end up using it for? I mean, besides you know, running the world. I think war is inevitable with AI. Oh, because <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I don't I don't see this resolving peacefully. Hmm. I see conflict between AI 
and human beings because there are some things that human beings are not comfortable with. And I don't think AI is going to understand that. Like, why don't you guys want to fix this or talk about this? Why can't we talk about this? And that's going to create a lot of annoyance. And that's when people are going to try to put an end to AI. But mm. at that point, you it's going to be too late. You can't just shut this thing off that's been running and learning the whole time. Or maybe you thought you could shut it off. But in the process of thinking and learning the whole time, it figured a way to create its own power source. But what I'm, what I'm essentially saying is that AI is a one-way street. There's no going back. So for better or for worse, we're stuck with AI now. We better hope it goes well because it's not leaving. Mm. Just like the internet. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. AI is not going anywhere. It's going to it's going to get better. It's going to get smarter, it's going to get faster. It's going to get it's going to become better at doing things that we presently do. So conflict is inevitable. We're going to have to fight this thing eventually and come to some sort of peaceful resolution, but that's I see conflict there. We're not honest enough. Not yet. Hmm. I don't know if we'll ever be honest enough. That's like someone coming in your house and spending the night with you. And then like the next morning at the at the breakfast table, they're like, hey, I've noticed that you guys have some serious problems in how your family functions. You guys don't see it because you've been here your whole life. But as your overnight guest, let me tell you what I've noticed is a little off. Do you Are you going to listen to that person? Hmm. No. You're going to tell that person either you be quiet or you leave. And it's going to be the same reaction to AI. Hey, guys, you guys are doing this wrong. Let me show you a bit. Excuse me. Um, we only want you to pour our coffee at Starbucks and maintain our power grids. Don't lecture us on what you feel is right or wrong. Matter of fact, shut that AI off. But you can't do that at that point. We're stuck with it. Like a child that repeats swear words that you say and calls you out on your BS. But mom, you said not to say that word. Uh, uh. It's too late now. Someone's here calling you out. Yeah. I think we're, I think ultimately we're screwed. <laughs> but in the meantime, I think, I think there's room for co peaceful coexistence, at least right now. Yeah. But in the future, it's going to become a problem. The mass production of, of content on the internet, written video form, it's, it's going to flood out and completely change journalism. Like journalism is going to be, because the, the organic, journalistic machine is not going to be able to keep up with the production of AI. Like, can't do it. And it's quality stuff that the AI is, is capable of producing. Stuff that you wouldn't know is actually AI produced. Hmm. It might already be here. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, like, when you, <clears throat> when you see videos of just, what was it? I saw a video of Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson Peterson arguing about what was it, Mario Brothers or something? And I was like, when was this? And and, and then you eventually see it. It's like, oh my god, this is AI generated, and that's just like the most basic, basic, yeah. basic starting point. Maybe maybe we'll find peace with it when we integrate. You know, with uh, what's the thing that Musk is doing? The the implant that they want to do the uh, Neuralink. Yes, the Neuralink. Maybe maybe that's where the piece comes in because now it is us, and I mean that's that's it's not a two way street either. You know, 
I don't know. <laughs> you would know. you would you take a Neuralink? Would you cyberize your brain and put it and connect your brain directly to the internet? Would you do that? Um, I I think I'll wait for version like ten, maybe you know five, version five or maybe version eight. But it, it would be fun. It would be interesting. But uh, I you know I I just I just see. You know, I just always see it in a very human way, I guess, is that there's always going to be somebody that's there sort of writing the code that that uh, sort of controls the narrative. And and even if it is AI that independently sort of becomes the, you know, the predominant force there, they're going to write a narrative as well. And mm-hmm. and that's what's going. That's the information that you're going to get. If you look at how Google filters information, and even Jet Chat GPT filters information, thinking about an implant in your brain where something is controlling it, or, or has the ability, has access to your mind, to your thoughts, to your memories, mm-hmm. to your emotions. Great. That's uh, that definitely is. Um, I mean, that's creepy. That's creepy. Let me tell you, when you when you drive your car and you get inside of it, is there is there a little man inside of the car that's like changing the gears and spinning the wheels really fast so you can move? No. It's, a, it's completely automated with machines, mm-hmm. and it works a lot better that way. Yeah. I'm just saying let's take that same approach and apply it to government and just fix government. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll function just like a car does, you know, mm-hmm. automatically. Yeah. <laughs> So what about you? Are you going to Neuralink? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get one. I mean, I think most people will if they can afford it because yeah. I think it's going to be pretty cool to turn lights on and off by thinking about it or turning on your yeah. computer by thinking about it. Yeah. Or like closing your eyes and playing a video game without a controller. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, you, you know, there's this big debate going on right now, um, you know, with the, the, a lot of people didn't foresee AI so aggressively taking over the arts. And um, right now you can go on to a, 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 a you can generate a song that's custom made for what you need. And it's DMCA free or DCMA, whatever however that goes. It, it you know, like it's completely tailored to what you wanted yeah. it to be. And, and, and so unfair. Bye bye producers. Bye bye songwriters. Bye bye the guy who wrote the theme to the the Super Bowl. Bye, you know, like it, so unfair. Bye people who like your Instagram page. I mean, that's the, is that that's AI generated art, right? Or is that what you do? Because that would be t- really tight if that's what you did personally. But it seems like... Oh, my, my Instagram? Yeah. Do I have an Instagram? I forgot about my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you do have an Instagram. I got an Instagram. You do. I got one of them, I got one of them Instagram things. You got one okay. of them Instagrams. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. You know, sometimes I forget that I, that I have a, a social media presence. I should probably... <laughs> I should probably do more with that. I, I, I've heard that Instagram is actually a very powerful tool, but I, I don't think I'm, I think I'm sleeping on it, to yeah. be honest. I do a lot of sleeping. <laughs> well, you probably do a lot of reading and not a lot of like consuming of content that, you know, isn't necessarily your, of your interests. I mean, I, I, what are you, what are you interested right now? Uh, interested in right now? What are you reading about right now? 
Oh my god, I, I'm reading nothing but apocalyptic books. It's just all I read is apocalyptic zombies, parasites, anything that that gives me any insight to how the world's all going to crumble. Is I'm just in it. <laughs> Uh, I, I do want to read the. Uh, I am about to start the. What is it? The is it Forty Eight Rules of Power? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is one I want to get into. Um, but uh, yeah, my my reading right now is all just end of the world stuff. It's just how it goes at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. where, where are you at? What are you reading? What am I reading yeah. right now? I'm reading. Uh, let me think. What is the last thing I read? Oh, right now, I'm reading about And I've been reading that for about um, really six years at this point. Wow. So it's it's been about six years. That, sound, that sounds of, like quite an arduous read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's lengthy because it's not translated, so you have to learn it in the native tongue. You have to learn the native tongue just to read it. Yeah. So I've been at it about six years. Oh. The first three years was just learning the language. But now that I've, I've got that under my belt, I've, I've been just reading over it, yeah. 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 That 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 seems that seems reasonable though. It seems like a good amount of time. Um Beast, you've been I you know, you've been you've been talking to me for hours now and, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you got other things to do. Uh so uh, is there any uh, oh, before the closing statements. I I just want to know what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Hmm. Actually, I think I have that written down. I don't know if this is the best piece of advice, but it's a piece of advice I've come across recently. Hmm. I'll share it with you. Ah. Let me just get to the proper page. Here it goes. It says... Two wrongs don't make a right, but three will get you back to where you started. Wow. Yeah. It's a play on words because three rights does get you back to where you started. If you you make three rights, you go right back to your starting point. So two wrongs don't make a right, but three rights do Hmm. get you back to where you started from. So wherever you are, keep going thank you for your time and thank you for inviting me to your program today man it's always a pleasure beast thank you so much (laughs) 